podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind uh, podcast. I'm joined, as always, on this Friday afternoon by Tony Haggerty. How are you? I'm very well. What are you, Tom? Not too bad. And we have the return of King Jim after his uh, technical issues last week. We're glad to have you back. How are you doing, Jim? Afternoon, Laura. Afternoon, Tony. I've got my 50k modem. All set to go. Let's go. <laughs> Two paper well, cups of that string. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> glad to have you here. Glad to have a full house anyway, because uh, in case anybody hadn't been keeping score, I have to say I hadn't. It was Paul that reminded us, but it's actually episode 500. So we are officially the 500 club today. Uh, episode 500 of A Celtic State of Mind. Um, got to say, I feel a bit awkward uh, presenting it myself because I'm probably one of the shortest serving members of the team, but um, it's an achievement that that everybody has contributed to in some way or another, not least uh, Paul John Dykes, who is in the background today and started this whole thing from scratch. So, um, Jim, I'll come to you first on the on the 500. What, what do you make of where the podcast started, where it's at now and, and what it's done for you as a Celtic supporter? I was chatting to Paul beforehand there, uh, asking what his, what his first podcast was and, and what his long-term plans are. So he's obviously a very ambitious guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the podcast has been a godsend during this pandemic for Celtic fans. Uh, I'm not somebody who normally listen to podcasts, apart from this, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, but you can tell by the number of views, the number of comments. Obviously, there's, there's loads of people tuning in. And uh, it's good to have Celtic fans talking about Celtic. I mean, I, I, I no longer listen to Radio Clyde or Radio Scotland or... Uh, read the newspapers because you know I don't actually read what most of them are saying but we have uh, some of the contributors we have on here I think they're well worth listening to including Tony Haggerty I must say so yes yeah, well <laughs> I was going to say there are exceptions <laughs> to the rule but <laughs> Tony what about you um, you you've um, relatively new to things um, apart from your initial interviews uh, the same as me um, 
what has it meant to you to be involved in it and, and especially given the last year the way things have gone how, how has it been to be a part of the Celtic State of Mind team? I can only echo what Jim said there I think it has been a godsend to a lot of people uh, during the pandemic and yeah I, I just think the wide spectrum of people on here and everybody that appears on this is quality and brings something to the table but they're talking about something that's close to their heart and something that they love and that's at Celtic Football Club and I think as Jim also said, the numbers that get you into this are staggering. And in terms of media, this is the way forward. A lot of people are getting their media fixed from this and, and they're doing what Jim's also did as well. And they're not reading newspapers and they're not listening to mainstream radio programmes. It's, it's a personal choice, isn't it, that you do that? But I think it's uh, I think it's complimentary to the likes of everybody that appears on this pod when you see those numbers and the thousands that people tune in and, and they enjoy the most flattering part of it all is that they enjoy seem to enjoy what we're saying. I think at one point I was called a cult icon. That's C U L T icon. But we don't take ourselves that seriously and you know that love can come to hate very quickly, so but uh, yeah, things like that are very humbling and very flattering and yeah, as I say, I think everybody that contributes to this pod is a quality person and and brings a, a brilliant skill set to the table. So, yeah, I can only echo what Jim said there. I think a lot of people get enjoyment from it. So, magic. Yeah, I think that's well said. I think also what people have missed, Laura. Yeah. Laura, I think what people have missed during the pandemic is the fact that they're not going to the pub with their mates and they're not having a chat to talk to mm-hmm. like minded Celtic supporters about the game. So, uh, the fact that so many people get involved in the chat room. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'd said maybe after the first or second time I was on the podcast, it kind of feels like you're virtual mates in the pub. Mm-hmm. And your kind of match day routine now is really you'll stick on a Celtic state of mind before the game at half time and at full time because you feel as if that's you talking to your mates. So you only get involved in the chat room and you get involved in the chat room. And uh, yeah, I think it's been a godsend for people. And then hopefully when things get back to normal at some point, that it still goes from strength to strength. I can only echo what both of you have said. I think from a personal point of view, it's been, it's been, especially this year more than any other, you feel very disconnected from things when you're not able to go to games, when you're not able to get together with family and friends to see matches. So this is, this is the next best thing. But to echo what Jim said, uh, to everybody who's watching today, everybody who's been subscribed since day one, or if this is the first time you're watching, then, um, just say thank you very much for your contributions. We wouldn't have a show to do if you weren't watching it. Get involved in the comments. We're live on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube as always. Um, and we are also part of the wider State of Mind uh, media uh, channel on YouTube where there's lots to watch. So um, all this self-serving patting on the back and well done us aside, let's get back to what we're here to do, which is talk Celtic. Um Jim, obviously you you weren't here last week, um, and, and and Tony and I made our feelings known on on the tweet that Celtic sent out. Now I know it's a bit of old news, and it's probably been done to death. But but since you didn't have a chance to air your thoughts, I was really interested to hear what you thought about it. I think I think the general consensus was that it was uh, the sentiment behind it was was understandable, but but it maybe was was a lack, lack of professionalism behind it. Do you agree with that, or, or what were your thoughts on it? Well, I was, I was, I was here in spirit last week, if not in body. <laughs> uh, I've just written it down. It was, we're, we're not half of anything. 
with a confused face, not our problem, hashtag one club since 1888. I thought it was pathetic, honestly yep. pathetic. Uh, I thought it was fake, which I think most people thought, and then when you find out it's not fake, you think, is there a 14-year-old kid running Celtic at the moment? <laughs> you know, with that kind of nonsense, you know. And uh, if Peter Law wanted to put a statement, and put a, a real, genuine statement, you know, when you put things like, one club since 1888, are you trying to insinuate something? And if you're trying to insinuate something, then put out a proper statement. Yep. You know, are you insinuating that maybe there's another club who don't have an unbroken history? If that's the case, put it out. Because people like uh, Douglas Parker laughing at you. They're laughing mm-hmm. at you, they're laughing at Dermot Desmond, they're laughing at Celtic. Because any statement that comes out from Ibrooks is always on the front foot. You know, it's we demand... We insist. Whereas yeah. every Celtic statement you get is on the back foot. You know, we are surprised. You know, it's, it's very of a poor, poor language. And I think if Peter Law would put a statement covering the last 20 years before he leaves, covering all this stuff like the secret five-way agreement, the European licence, all the stuff that happened in the early part of the 2000s that we all know very well about, and I get abuse last time I mentioned this, put out that statement... Don't put a wee daft tweet. Put out that statement, right? Before you go, because you know what? There's all these secrets that you've kept from the Celtic fans. But you put a wee daft tweet out. So put out a proper statement. Uh, I just think, I mean, I read a few weeks ago that Peter Law has, has earned something like £15 million from Celtic, a chief executive of a relatively small company that only turns over 60 to £70 million. £15 million. So anyway, the tweet was quite pathetic, I thought. Uh, unbecoming of Celtic. Uh, apart from that, it was fine, yeah. <laughs> Tony, yeah, the, to pick up on what Jim said there, you know, we we looked at that and I spoke to you uh, in messages uh, during the time it went out. I got in touch with a couple of guys that I know have, you know, access to people at the club just to see if if it was genuine for a start. I mean, we were we were sitting there kind of going, I didn't want to react to it and give my thoughts on it and anything in case it made me look stupid that it, it was, as Jim said, some 14-year-old who's guessed the password um, and, and, and got in and, and made the statement. I think, I think we kind of came to the conclusion that you know, regardless of all the semantics around language and what we call the other half of the city and what we believe about their history and what we believe about our history, as long as you know what the history is, does it really matter what language you use? I don't think so. Um, and I thought that that tweet just kind of uh, embroiled us in another argument that we probably didn't need to be in. What What was your thoughts on that? Don't use a word there. Unbecoming. It's unbecoming of a club of Celtic stature and nature to get involved on his petty parochial point scoring basically that's what it was and he did it with the Adidas thing which I touched upon earlier as well not for second best right whoever sanctioned that really should you know should hang their head in shame right as I said last week we know what Celtic are we know who we are why bother about things that happen over the other side of the city concentrate on your own get your own house in order Get, get what you're doing sorted because see all as Jim said I, I just think it's it's petty you know and it's and it is 
it is unbecoming of a club of Celtic stature. You see, you should be better than that. You know, you have to be better than that. Be better than that. Bottom line, I just uh, uh, these things hold you back, and as you see, you're getting broiled in utter nonsense. You know, and as Jim says, if they want to make some kind of statement, then make it. If they don't want to make a statement, then don't. Right, fine. Go away, walk off into the distance, fine. But I tell you what, that's a colossal amount of dough that man's taken from the club, isn't it? A colossal amount Also, of there's a... Sorry, Tony. Also, there's a phrase that Kevin uses quite a lot. Big boy pants. Right. So, yeah. Peter Law, put your big boy pants on and put a proper statement. A proper statement. Yeah, I mean, if, if you don't mind Tony, watch this, so be it. But you probably won't be. But I, I, I think that's a brilliant word. It's unbecoming of a club of Celtic stature. Again... As I touched on in a couple of other podcasts, we're a big club, supposed to be a big club, but we're masquerading as a big club. Big clubs don't do that. We don't get involved in that. Right? Big clubs act with class. Celtic haven't. Yeah. And, and Jim, just to just to pick up on that, again, um, it's been something that's been talked about a little bit, uh, a little bit extensively, a little bit extensively, if that makes sense, over the past couple of weeks. more so last week than this week, but we are getting closer to the to the Rangers game on Sunday. There's a lot of debate around, you know, what would be showing class uh, or what wouldn't be showing class, to, depending on whether we do this guard of honour or not. Um, before I before I reiterate my thoughts on it, what what are your thoughts? Um, I see a, a little smile coming across your face, so I'm wondering what's coming here. What do you think? No, I think I've got maybe an, an unpopular. I don't think you should have any some of the comments I've heard of this is people just giving a sort of knee-jerk reaction to this to this stuff it's not mandatory it's optional it's a custom and practice thing now I don't actually know what the custom and practice is you know we've had, we've had nine years where we've won the league uh, I don't know what's happened in those nine years which which game is it you're meant to do this guard of honour is it the game after the team have won the league is it every single game for the rest of the season? Is it the last game of the season where they're they, they given the trophy? Is it the first game of the new season where you're putting the flag up? I don't know. So it'd be actually interesting to know what's happened over the last nine years. Because I think there was a picture of the Hamilton team giving Celtic a guard of honour in the first game of the season. So I think if you're going to give a guard of honour, then likely the first game of the season when you're putting the flag up. Would be, would be the way to go. But if somebody can look back for the last nine years, and if it's custom and practice that the game after the team wins a league, you give them a guard of honour, then I think we should do it, no matter who the team is, if that's the custom and practice. If it's not the custom and practice, then you don't do it. Because the other thing I was, I was looking at some of the comments last week, which I didn't like, this idea about, you know, they go low, we go high, and take the high moral ground. You set your own standards. You don't set your standards mm-hmm. according to other people. And I get annoyed at Peter Lowe, again, statement back in December, talking about values. And on the podcast at the time, I said, what is he talking about values? Explain that to me. What do, what do values mean? But just to follow on from Tony's point, you set your own values. You set your own standards. If it's custom and practice, I think you do it. No matter who it is, whether you like that particular team or their fans or whatever, if it's custom and practice, you do it. If it's not custom and practice, you don't do it. That's my view. Yep. Uh, that's, 
Yeah, to, to be absolutely honest, that's the first time I've heard anybody say anything along those lines, and I think it makes the most sense. It's it's regardless of the morality behind it, or or whether you think it shows respect or not, or or this or that. It's more about if you're going to bother doing it at all, define when you're doing it. I, I personally, I've said already, I, I couldn't really care either way. I don't think it makes a huge difference to either set of players. I do think agreement with you, it probably makes more sense. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. From a ceremonial point of view, to do it uh, on the day that the team is unfurling the, the league flag um, I don't think it's necessary to do it any other time and that's not just me saying that because we would have to do it on Sunday um, I think to standardise it in that way would probably make more sense Tony, That's to me that's a really interesting point and not one I've seen before what's your thoughts on that? I thought that was absolutely brilliant Nailed it for me there Jim I, I, I would like to see that and I can I with you on that if it's uh, I would do it the first game of the season when you unfurl the flag. You know, that way you would never have Celtic and Rangers game the first game of the season, so you would never have this this dispute anyway, would you? So, so-called argument. Again, everyone's getting dragged into something that maybe they shouldn't be, you know, but yeah, let's find out exactly when this guard of honour is meant to be done and then stick with that. I, I totally agree with that. You know, and then if it is... Practice, custom practice, Jim says, then we do it. If it's not, we don't. Yeah. End off. I, I, I like that argument. I, uh, I hadn't thought of that. And that's why I'm on my King Jim because I learned stuff. <laughs> I used to run football teams, kids' teams. And what you said to the kids was during the game, get stuck in, try and win the game. And after the game, you try and shake hands with as many of the opposition as possible, even if you hate them. Even if they kick you off the park, it doesn't matter. During the game, you're bitter rivals and you want to go out and win. After the game, they're just like you. You shake hands and off you go. So I don't think, again, we, we, we shouldn't be looking to anyone else to set our standards. No. Part of the Celtic song is, we don't care what blah, blah, yeah. blah. We don't care what anyone else does. Again, that's just falling off from Tony's point. We set our own standards here. And anyway, that's it. <laughs> 
a hundred percent. I I couldn't have put it any better. Um, I think. I think if you're even if we decide to do it because we think it shows a certain level of class, you're still allowing um, you're still allowing somebody else to dictate what you do just because they haven't but done it or whatever. Don't do it to try and make a point. Never yeah. do that. Never do something to make a point. Do something because it's the right thing to do. And if you take flack from it, then that's okay. But you've done the right thing. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. That I think that sums it up. I think if if anything, and it just shows you as well. You know, we've talked about it ad nauseum uh, on this podcast for for a couple of weeks now, and there's Jim come on and raised a, a valid like fresh point on it. So it, it's it's great no, to get everyone's thoughts. The point, the point, Laura, last week is you saw people getting uh, on on TV, people like Gary Caldwell, and that and that's a knee jerk reaction. John Hughes, mm-hmm. that's a knee jerk reaction. Because you don't know what a guard of honour is. They're mm-hmm. just spouting the first thing you can think of. What's the, should they do a guard? Oh, yeah, they should do that. They haven't thought that through. And it's, and it's lazy and it's weak. And the point I made at the start of the podcast, that's why I don't listen to people like Gary Caldwell. And don't get me wrong, he's put at the top level of the game and I respect everything the guy's done. But would I listen to him? I don't think so. I, I wouldn't particularly listen to him either. I have to say, but uh, we will. Um, <laughs> I know he's he's sitting somewhere gutted now, you know. But uh, we'll we'll move on anyway. The the next thing I wanted to talk about today it was breaking news yesterday during the bulletin. Actually, um, Declan's phone was was ringing off the hook on the show. If you were watching it, um, it was announced uh, about lunchtime yesterday that Luca Connell had joined Queens Park on loan. Now. I have to admit I was pretty shocked by it I thought we went to a lot of lengths to get him in from Bolton we gave them money that they didn't even particularly you know they weren't entitled to but you know from a from a, a club morals point of view I think Celtic uh, offered them money for him to, to help with their own financial situation uh, and we did that partly as well to, to security services because he was sought after by a lot of other clubs so I was quite surprised to see him let go but then when I think about it not in the context of the way he's been treated since he came to the club. Tony, I'll come to you first. What were your first thoughts when, when you heard the news that Luke O'Connell was going out and, and what do you think it signifies in a wider sense for, for players' development at the club? There's a guy in my local boozer, you know how you get local boozers and you get the pastel pictures and the kind of the Nietzsche's, the philosophers, the Plato's and all that. He, he had a great expression for somebody getting a raw deal and he would say uh, you've got the broad end of the ragman's trumpet. You say, right? I remember the ragman. You know, so Luca Connell has run out to the ragman, presented a pristine Sabuto set, and he's been given a left a left footed roller skate with no wheel. Right? <laughs> the man called Pat the Hart, I'll credit him, he's always a great name, these guys. The broad end of the ragman's trumpet. If something's not right at Celtic, if you let a guy like that, who was playing championship football with Bolton and he's now at Queen's Park. Now, Jim touched on this a few weeks ago we're talking about coaching and players regressing. We've spoken about it as well. Something has happened to Luke O'Connell at Celtic. Now, surely this is the optimum time to play a player like Luke O'Connell because he looked okay in the pre-season match when people saw him. He picked up the ball. You, you think you can tell a football player but you look quite comfortable. Okay, pre-season games aren't any great barometer. But you know a player's comfortable with a ball at his feet and he can ping a pass and you think, I'd like to see more of that young guy. You see, highly sought after, paid money to Bolton for him, which they shouldn't have paid. 
So how come Luca Pono hasn't got the last few games to let's see what he can do to let any new incoming manager see what he can do? Yeah, these these kind of and also see Celtic are managerless and rudderless at the moment. Who's taking that decision to punt Luca Pono to Queens Park? Who has made that decision? I would like to know that again. Going back to what Jim said, who's who's signing these players? Who's taking these kind of decisions? I think all the Celtic fans want to know that because I think Luca Pono in particular was a player that people have high hopes for. And I think there's a bit of talent there, but you'll never know because Celtic haven't given him a fair crack at the whip. Yeah, I, th- I think that's certainly my initial impression of it anyway. Um, Jim, I think I think we do suffer a little bit from having to play a guessing game as far as these concerns. We don't know all the circumstances behind why why Luke O'Connell might not have been given a shot, uh, whether it's it's club related or whether it's down to the individual himself. Um, do you think it speaks to a larger issue with the way that the young players are being developed at the club, or do you think this is an individual issue of a player that's not just worked out for? It's maybe a bit of both. Laura, just mm-hmm. to echo Tony's uh, comments again. All I've seen was that second half against Hibs at the start of the, or before the season started, and it looked really good. It looked kind of half decent. Mm-hmm. So why has not got a game? Uh, I can understand we've got a huge squad, so he's massively down the pecking order. But we could use five subs this year again, but maybe there wasn't a game that we put to bed to get Luca Cono on. And because you gave us a, our, uh, what we're going to talk about today, I thought I'd go and check up to see what Luca Cono's actually done. And he only played 10 games for Bolton. Mm-hmm. So, like, in his whole career, he's only played 10 and a half games, really, which is astonishing. And if you look at Connor, you're thinking, you know, what can the future do? So, again, it kind of, you're looking at how Celtic try to develop players. Uh, he should have been put on loan at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. But I think this also goes back to a lack of vision in the club, a lack of strategy in the club, a lack of most things. Because what I was going to mention last week, uh, if I was on, was the fact that virtually every podcast we're talking about, there's going to be a major rebuild necessary this year. Take a wee step back for that. Why should there be a major rebuild? If you've got some sort of strategy, if you've got some sort of vision, you wouldn't be able to have a major rebuild every year. You may want to mm-hmm. add two or three players to the squad but not a major rebuild. And that goes back to taking on all these loan players and maybe not letting players go who wanted to go, bringing in other guys and longer-term contracts. I think the club's a shambles. I know I keep, I keep sounding negative. It's hard not to sound negative, but Luca Connell's a good example of that, I think, because Luca Connell looks a decent player. We should have had some sort of plan for him. If he wasn't going to feature, because I think we've got a squad of about 30. So in any one weekend... If you get five subs coming on, yeah, you're talking about if you used all your five subs, only six of those players would get a full full game. Five would get less than half a game. Five would get more than half a game. And then the rest of your thirty are sitting doing nothing. You have to have some sort of game plan for them, whether it's having a coach league or a B team league or something. There needs to be some sort of plan. And look at Connell, like loads of young talented players, is having to suffer for that because for all we know, he's he's another David Turnbull. For mm-hmm. all we know. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Just apologies if anybody listening can hear my neighbours having the loudest conversation in the world out the window. Um, I don't know what the hell's going on, but we'll, we'll crack on regardless. Tony, the, the Jim's brought up a lot of good points about about you know what it says about the about the wider uh, issues around. Uh, 
around player development and, and, and what, what that means at the club but trying to put a bit of a more positive spin on it for the individual himself do you think do you think this move for Luke O'Connell will be a good thing and do you think more importantly for us will it signify um, getting the sort of opportunity that he needs to maybe resurrect his Celtic career if and when he does come back I would have thought if Luke O'Connell would go out on loan if he went to a championship club mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised that he's going to Queen's Park first and foremost you know I, I, there's that standard I mean he'll play competitive football that's one thing you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll toughen him up yeah but I'd rather see him play uh, competitive football in the championship because I think obviously that's that's levels up from Queen's Park and also that, that would toughen him up even more and give him a, a better chance he made an impression of Celtic when he comes back but I mean the only the only good thing is he, he'll, be, he'll have games he'll have game time and let's see what he does when he's out there but I'm just surprised at the fact that he's gone gone to Queen's Park surely a championship club would have snapped Celtic's hand off for him and then going back to Jim's point that should have been part of the plan for Luke O'Connell to go to a championship club maybe even a, a Premiership club where he doesn't play against Celtic you know because Ryan Christie went to Aberdeen didn't he and stuff like that so mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing so you know uh, surely the Celtic aren't that rudderless that they can't kind of sort some kind of deal out like that where he can play at the standard that he's going to be playing at and, mm-hmm. and then let's see because you're not going to learn much about Luke O'Connell when he goes to Queen's Park because you're expecting him to be good for Queen's Park. He's on a hiding to nothing there. Yeah. I, th- I think it wouldn't be a surprise if he if he does play outstanding at that kind of level but like you say it doesn't indicate very much uh, mm-hmm. in terms of... of I, think, I think also Laura, just take on that point, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of chat about putting in a Colts team which uh, put a Colts team into League 2 and I'm not so sure that's such a great idea because of that very point, because of the quality of opposition. I don't think they've learned very much from that at all. They're putting against part-time teams. They're training mm-hmm. twice a week. So the standard's not very good. I mean, it's up to me, I'd have some sort of B team playing against other yeah. B teams just to keep people uh, involved and keeping them match fit, etc. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Colts team in League 2. That's a good idea. I heard Amy the other day talking about how unfair that was to all the other teams who were in you know, the 5th, 6th, 7th tier. I'm not a fan of that one. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point today. Tony, I'll get your thoughts on it as well. I think I think my personal opinion is much more in line with, with, with Jim's than what I've seen other people saying. I think from a very Celtic-centric point of view, you could argue that it's good for the development of our players and that it's good for our club. And, and I saw Paul raise a point yesterday that that, that should impact Scottish football more widely because of the, the number of Celtic and Rangers players that end up playing at other clubs. But, but as Jim says, you know, the, the level that they're playing at, is that going to be much higher than youth football? Is it going to be much different? Um, and, and is it fair to the other clubs? I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I agree with Jim. I don't think it's fair to other clubs. The only benefit you get is players playing competitive football. That's it. Right? Mm-hmm. They get some kind of fitness and match fitness about them. You know, and game fitness and game awareness. That's it. You know, I, I don't see any other benefit, but the standard is not the best. And when they come up, there will still be a big gap to, you know, to fill there if, if you're going to go from League Two football to playing Premiership football. You know what I mean? It, it speaks for itself. Well, yeah, and I, I think it's 
it's a selfish driver, this Celtic Rangers coach team. You know, it really is. It's it's benefiting two clubs. Let's not kid ourselves. So, I, I, and I'm, I'm like Jim, I'm, I'm against it as well. I'd I would much rather have a B team and try and play against yeah. English under-23 yeah. teams, something like that, because the standard is higher. Yeah, and I think I if you're think. a Celtic uh, playing in League 2, you're going to be, lots of guys might want to make, make a bit of a name for themselves, maybe a target for people, and the standard is poor. The pitches will be poor as well. I just don't see that as a good idea at all. If we could get friendly matches against England under-23 teams, I think that would be a far better idea. But I think also, if you're going to have a B team, that then raises the question about your whole youth development. Do you actually want a Lennox Town for, for young guys or do you just forget that we'll have an A and a B team and we'll just sign players rather than try to develop our own? But that's a much bigger thing. And and hopefully, whoever we get is a director of football, or a manager, a head coach, for they've got the vision to take that one forward. Bring back the Anglo-Scottish Cup jump from the B teams and the under-23s. And You've gone too far there, Tony. You've gone too far. <laughs> As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Thanks for Burnley and Rangers to Chesterfield. Glory days. The Texaco Cup. Are you too young for that, Tony? The Texaco Cup? No, no, it's just that. Uh, just... I am I am thankfully too young for that. I don't remember what sounds what sounds pretty horrific there, but uh, we'll swiftly move on from that one. I just wanted to highlight thanks to everybody making their comments on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter Um, Jim Hannaway has posted uh, I posted on here a while ago um, Jim's points changed my mind on Sunday um, has no president Precedent, sorry, um, first game of the new season for me now. So I think there's a lot of people coming to that that conclusion that you know that that sets a consistency as far as the guard of honour is concerned. That I think is is a lot more understandable and a lot more um, or a lot less flammable, if you like, than the current situation. Um, and like you say, Tony, it would pro- practically guarantee that in a league where there's only really two teams likely to win the league, um, they're not going to meet each other in the first game of the season. And so it would make sense from a from a safety point of view and, and from a from a point scoring point of view not to not to do that. Um, but we'll move on. My people on. have spoken. Um, Good. Yes, Jim's Jim's people have spoken. The king has spoken, and his his subjects have agreed. So, so <laughs> but, the uh, last week, long live the king. This week, I think the older saying Jim. Oh. Right, so the the next point I wanted to bring up now, we, we had, uh, I try and plan a little bit, even though it maybe doesn't look that way, try and plan a little bit what we're going to talk about and uh, and uh, give you guys a bit of heads up about what we're, what we're going to talk about. And unfortunately, about, Good. Okay. yes, my homework time, get it in, get it marked. I'll give you a big green tick or a big red cross. Um, but two hours or so before the show was due to go on air, um, I was checking the Celtic News Now feed um, and there was uh, a tweet from a, a German journalist who works for um, Bild, which is the, the big I don't know if it's just a sports newspaper but it's certainly a big German publication who said he had information that um, Jesse Marsh who has been a kind of new, relatively new name on the scene, a disciple of Ralph Ranić, who um, it was suggested might 
uh, be in the running for the Celtic job. Now, we were going to talk about what our thoughts were on, on what he could possibly offer, for good or for bad. I know Tony's got some thoughts, which I'll come to in a minute. Um, but this uh, journalist seems to have suggested that he has actually contacted the club to specifically rule himself out of contention. Now, that's a pretty pretty bold move to make considering some of the statements he was making about the honour of being connected with Celtic um, I don't know what it does to his relationship with Celtic considering it's come out this week that he um, was supported in, in, in sponsorship for getting some of his licensing badges and some stuff by Celtic when he was going through his for courses so it's all a bit uh, all come as a bit of a shock to me to be honest uh, Tony I'll come to you first of all what did you make when, when you saw that news that he had specifically ruled himself out and and more widely what are your thoughts about what he was as a potential candidate and what that means for our, for our club going forward I think everybody got excited when Jesse Marsh started speaking about Celtic and the possibility that he might want to talk now Jesse Marsh has probably seen all this in print and thought hmm that's kind of and whatever he's did today through build then he, he's put the kibosh on it and it's purely up to him so Celtic haven't even had the chance to ask him the question you know because if Jesse Mars from the other day his statement from the other day he was a person of interest we would have spoken so he's, he's, he's usually if he's ruled himself out then so be it but I want Celtic to come out and tell me that he's ruled himself out not a German newspaper or whatever, or, or Jesse Marsh himself to comment and say, I'm ruling myself out this. I've got unfinished business at Salzburg, you know, it's all very forked tongue, you know, so, but he he would have been a person of interest. Now, my, my take on all of this managerial stuff is that's the candidate that Celtic fans want. Guy like that, Eddie Howe also fits into that category for me Roberto Martinez as well, Ralph Ranick himself, so if any of these guys would be interested, then you have to talk, just show real gumption and ambition and get these guys around the table, see what they could do, because they could set the ball in motion uh, managerially for for Celtic for years to come Right, you've got, you get a chance here to come in and it's not just domestic success you want to go on, but you want to reawaken a sleeping giant in terms of European football so any of these guys the board must see what they can bring to the table and I've said this, this before see if you get it right at Celtic you don't need to go anywhere else mm-hmm. this is a manager's dream club and if you let if you let them go on with it it's a wonderful football club and the people, but the people at the top have to see that and see if you're getting in and you're going to ask any of these guys the question then you can't low ball it no glass runs yeah. no financial parameters right <clears throat> you've got a chance here to make Celtic well every Celtic fan wants Celtic to become a feared and respected force in Europe again that's all they want right and the board have got the chance to do that by making an ambitious decision that will help this club move forward, right? So if you're going to just say, for instance, if you're going to pitch it to an Eddie Howe, you can't be letting the supporters down by lowballing it. My mate, I've got a pal, Ross McFarlane, who's a drummer, played for two successful Scottish bands, and he once said to me, 
Celtic, see if Celtic were a record label, there would be more town. And he did that, you know, and I burst out laughing. But he's right. Celtic's pure soul, right? They've got an illustrious history and, a, and an incredible backstory. The club's a fairy tale. We've got worldwide appeal, success and winnings in their DNA. You tap into all of that. That's how you go and get an Eddie Howe. And see, if you meet Eddie Howe or Ralph Rangnick or Roberto Martinez, see that meeting, they have to come away with Celtic in their fingernails and in their skin, right? See, you're talking to them. You say to them, see that fever you've got right now? It's Celtic. See that itch you've got? It's Celtic, right? See that feeling? I certainly hope it's Celtic. Otherwise, you might need cream for that. (laughs) that feeling in your bones, Celtic, right? See if you imagine if you were the manager of that club, where you could take us, what you could do. Just you, we're asking you to shape the destiny and the future of this football club. See if they, see if they don't walk away from a, a table or a meeting feeling like that, and see the people that are talking to them, they're no fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. They don't get it, and they're selling you and I shot, and they're selling the club shot. Right, that be anything, right? Last and stayed for seven years because they get they get into his DNA, right? Mm-hmm. And as Jock Steen famously said, Celtic won their first love, but they'll be my last love. You can pitch it that way to a top managerial candidate. You see, if you don't, well, I'll say three words, three words: ambition, ambition, ambition. Yeah. And, and if you don't, what do you get? You get the managerial equivalent at the broad end of the ragman's trumpet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Jim, great point raised there by Tony. And, you know, Paul's just proved exactly what he's talking about there by putting the comment up that we just saw. We we did approach Ralph Ranick to appear on the podcast and unfortunately, busy man as he is, he's not able to do so. And I think that that explains and exhibits exactly the type of behaviour that we're talking about. What is the harm in asking these people the question? Um, I watched a, a video with Jesse Marsh on, on a YouTube channel that I watched called A Coach's Voice. And honestly, like if you were a Celtic supporter uh, of any calibre, you'd be watching it and your face would be one of those emojis with a love heart eyes. The way that he was talking about... <laughs> the culture of a club uh, understanding that getting into the way the local people feel about that club it would have been ideal to me um, both for his um, tactical knowledge and what he was obviously wanting to bring to the game in terms of fresh ideas but also his understanding that a club is about more than just the football on the pitch he actually pretty much paraphrased the famous Tommy Burns quote about playing for a people and a cause and I couldn't believe it as I was sitting there listening to it so I would recommend that interview to anyone that hasn't seen it it's about eight months old now but but just to pick up on what Tony said Jim what are your thoughts on, on the whole Jesse Marsh situation uh, about the fact that he specifically ruled himself out which which does concern me a little bit and, and your thoughts in general about what a coach of his calibre would mean for our club I think Tony articulates very well the expectations of the Celtic fans I'm not sure those expectations are matched by those in power mm-hmm. uh, that's my concern uh, as the oldest member of the Axon team I've been watching football for over, over 50 years mm-hmm. and the nation I admire the most are the Germans Tactically, technically, physically, psychologically, they're the exemplar nation of the world. They might not always be the top team, but they are the guys to copy. 
And over the last 10 years, Ralph Ranick has revolutionised German football. So I'm a, I'm a big Ralphie fanboy. Uh, <laughs> and I said a few months ago, I didn't think we would get him because I think he's out of our league. He's a very uh, sought-after man throughout Europe. And what I said a couple of months ago was basically, could we have got him in as a, on a consultancy basis to review the club from top to bottom and make some recommendations, not only on the future structure, but maybe actual people who could come in and do a job. Because the thing is, I know quite a lot about a few things, but there's loads of things I don't know very much about. So I don't know how to go about putting in a structure for a modern football team and actually doubt those at Celtic Park know that as well. Because people like Roy Keane are getting mentioned. They have no idea what they're doing. Yep. So I'd like somebody to come in and have a good look at the club, uh, structure, vision, strategy, culture, all that kind of stuff. And if Ralph Rangie had, had maybe done that, he may have got a wee kind of feel for it. He may have got a, wee, uh, mm-hmm. got a wee taste for it, maybe. But what I also said a few months ago, there are loads and loads of Rangie mini-me's out there. And Jesse Marsh is another Rangie mini-me. I would go out and get a Rangie mini-me in there because the most important thing is the structure of the club and the more you think about the future of the club it's like a big jigsaw basically what we can't do if you're a modern club is continue to hire a manager sack a manager and always backroom staff a new guy comes in he's got a different way of playing we redo the whole youth structure the whole thing is just like a complete mess it's like a big jigsaw and a head coach and I think we'll go the Dorf head coach route and what we need is some jigsaw maybe a big 12 piece saw where you're fitness and analytics and recruitment and all that stuff and there's one piece of the jigsaw it's the head coach and you put that head coach in to, to finish the jigsaw and if he leaves you've only got one piece missing you put a new piece in but for me I would go for a Rangie mini me I don't know who they are they're out there there's at least 20 people that I've seen who have either coached alongside Rangie or are close to Rangie and Rangie would know who the guys are Talk to Rani, not about taking the Celtic job on, that'd be great. But who would he recommend? Talk to people who know what's happening. Because if I I know if if if, if my car is on the blink, I can't fix it. I go to somebody who knows what they're talking about and they'll fix the car. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Celtic board know how to have a modern football team. Go and talk to people who are doing that. Because if you as I said, if you're entertaining people like Roy Keane, forget it. Yeah. I- I agree with Jim. We've got a chance to reinvent the Celtic managerial wheel here, yeah. right? And take us forward, right? And as you say, if somebody goes, it's continuity we've got, Jim. Get that structure and culture in place. You know, where if, as you say, a manager leaves, it's not that much of a rebuild, as you say, right? So you have to grasp that nettle and that opportunity to do that. As Jim said, you talk to everybody, you talk to the Ralph Rannicks of this world, you even say to Jesse Mars as well, right? Who do you recommend? Or who do you recommend? Yeah. You know, go to these people because all the club want is just to be successful at home and in Europe as well, you know, and die trying to emulate the most successful Scottish football club that ever lived, right? You might never get there. Yeah. They can accept that they're trying and they're striving to get there. The supporters will accept that for time and perpetual motion. That every day that you go through those glass doors, you're looking up to them and saying, we're going to give our all. We might never ever win it again, probably not, but we're striving to be that good and at least everybody's pulling in that direction to do that. 
and Celtic will accept that. Yeah, there'll be failures along the way, but we'll accept at least that they're striving to be the best that they can possibly be. And that's what a new management structure, this new EOF head coach structure can bring, bringing that continuity moving forward where football seasons are laid out in plans, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, seven-year plan, call it what you like. That's what these guys can bring. I, also, I said I, a few I, weeks ago, Laura, that, that, that yeah. football, more and more, is becoming like chess. Mm-hmm. And I'd be surprised if most of the top coaches are not good chess players. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about being analytical and methodical. You know, it's not about standing at the side of the park shouting at players, come on, get your finger out your mm-hmm. ass. You know, that's that's old style stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's all about where the players are on the pitch. I watched about half an hour of that match last night. And Slavia Prague, you know, they knew where to stand. They give them the yeah. ball. This guy will move. He'll get the ball. He'll move around. And they were never flustered. They just knew where to be. Mm-hmm. And you watch Celtic this season. It'd be shambolic. For the mm-hmm. Half the time. So it's a bit, it's a bit about being methodical and analytical. And we need a modern coach to do that because that's the future of football. Yeah. Roy Keane's of this world, Neil Lennon's of this world, Mick McCarthy's, these guys... No, not for me. Of the ones in the UK, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking more and more to how. I think I think yeah. how would be not a bad bet because the thing that again, when you look at kind of old style football managers, they say things like Neil Lennon is a winner. He's got a high win percentage ratio. He knows how to win. But you have to put that in context. You would expect yeah. the team Neil Lennon's managed to win. You want somebody who has exceeded expectations. And if you line up Neil Lennon against Eddie Howe, people are saying, what's he won, Eddie Howe? His win percentage is really low. But in terms of exceeding expectations, Howe's in a different stratosphere compared to Lennon. Because yeah. if you're a Bournemouth fan 10 years ago, what's your expectations as a, as a, as a, as a Bournemouth fan? You might have been thinking uh, top half of League One, bottom of the, maybe bottom half of the Championship. He takes them to the Premiership. He keeps them in the Premiership. Puts them in the top half of the Premiership. That's an astonishing thing to do. So, if it's a UK manager, I think Howe's maybe the top of my list. Uh, Mareska was mentioned, I was, was it on last week, he was mentioned, and people are saying, well, look at the under-23s of Man City. They're the richest club in the UK. Most of that under-23 team will be paid more than Celtic players. You know, so, I don't know much about the guy, but again, I wouldn't put that forward as an argument. In the same way that Sean Maloney talks good in the sports scene and Roy Keane's a Celtic legend. You know, that's that's old-style thinking. We have to move with the times. And I think whoever we get, it'll be a big statement. You know, if we get a Roy Keane manager type, a Roy Keane type manager, I think, as Tony said, the people in charge are not fit for purpose. If we get a modern manager and it doesn't work out, I'll be absolutely fine with that because I can see where they're going. I can understand the logic. Mm-hmm. And Tony's old enough, and maybe you're old enough, Laura, to remember when Rangers brought in Paul Le Guin, and he yeah. was the hottest ticket in Europe and you thought we're in big trouble here and it just flopped there's lots of reasons why it flopped so there's no guarantee but if we'd have got a Paul Le Guin type manager now you would say well done Celtic board it's going to move on and hopefully things will things will get so, but just make a sensible appointment and I forget the one Tony said was, was it a good appointment or a disappointment type thing I'm just going to quote you from the own yeah. Tony Rip roaring, free scoring, blah blah blah. So, see, the Celtic fans want an appointment, not a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Between all your, between all your slogans, Tony will be. (laughs) Between all Tony's 
stories and slogans. I'll be tweets don't win trumpets or something like that. I'm I'm baffled. I'm absolutely baffled. But I, th- I tell you the thing that that really surprised me about the Jesse Marsh interview that I was watching was. Uh, um, he talked about at one point, he said, we start with the simple things when I come into a new club. We start by teaching them eight different sets of tactics for the various situations they'll come up against in a game. And I thought to myself, I would be highly surprised if that Neil Lennon side... I mean, they don't look as if they know one set of tactics, never mind an attacking set of tactics and a defensive set of tactics. So, you know, you're talking about two different coaches playing two different sports as far as I'm concerned if that's the kind of level that you're talking about and like you say Jim and that's where the chess work. comes in Laura that, that's where yeah. chess comes in because chess I mean if, if anyone doesn't play chess go and play chess chess is a fantastic game and chess is all about mm-hmm. making sure nobody gets through your defence you try and pick holes in, in, uh, in the other person's defence you try and get the midfield control it was very similar to football basically. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've said I think all the best coaches will be good chess players. And that's, I never saw the Jesse Marsh interview, but I'm not surprised about that's the kind of things that he's saying, because it's all about being on the right bit, the, the right part of the pitch at the right time, knowing yep. to pick out the right pass, etc. You know, and it's about coaching people into doing that. So you don't have to have loads of medals to do that. In fact, you don't even have to have much football experience at all. You know, you, you can be a maths person, a numbers person. Yeah, so we have to think modern thinking. As I said, the old style Roy Keane, Neil Lennon thing, that's, that's so last decade, you know. Good chess players can play eight games at a time as well, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're also five or six moves ahead. Yeah, correct. And, all, and also as well, you, you define success. Success is not silverware and trophies. You know, you talk about Eddie Howe keeping Bournemouth up in that Premier League for five years. That's success. You know, as you say, 10 years ago, Bournemouth was what? A seaside town. wasn't a football club, was it? It wasn't renowned for its football. So that, that's... Well, you say, Tony, well, you say, Tony could, 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 could Neil Lennon had have done what Eddie Howe's done? I would say no. no. no could Eddie yeah. Howe had have done what Neil Lennon did? I'd say yes. Yeah. 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 I would say that too. And you're talking about... Yeah. You know, you talk about... You, you keep going on about it, but it's bringing that culture into a football club. You know, moving with the times, constantly evolving. Guys like Eddie Howe and the people, Jesse Mars, that you mentioned, Laura, yourself, talking there. You know, these are, you see, analytics. You know, the Germans are the best at that. They just are. They, 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 you'll not beat them. Have they been in something like, uh, they've appeared at every semi-final of the World Cup since 1982? I might be absolutely butchering that particular fact, but it is something ridiculous like that. So that tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? You know, so it's, why not go and see Jesse Marsh and Ralph Ranick, like, what what should we be doing here? Bring them in as a a consultancy basis or just talk to them. Don't need to tell anybody you're doing it. But talk to everybody that can help you moving forward. Everybody. You know, and, and they'll only be... It was the most flattering thing in the world being asked your advice on how on how to do something. You know, so when you've Celtic approach these people and then through, through the information and the education that they get, they will appoint the right bit, or they should. They should say, right, that leads us to this candidate. You know, and, and, and I, I go back to what Jim said, that Roy Keane, Lampard, all these other people, they just turn you off. Something terrible. You just think to yourself, please, God, no. Yeah. 
I think I think we're all, I think we're all in. Whoever they appoint Sorry, has to be evidence based. Has to be evidence to say yeah. that's why we're putting this guy. Here's the evidence, and uh, mm-hmm. Roy Keane. I think Paul would mention that he's only coached or only managed 180 games or something. It's mostly in the Championship. There's no evidence there. There's no evidence with Lampard. There's no evidence with all these guys. Uh, but I think if we end up with this Dorf head coach structure, then that's a completely different structure altogether. And you need people mm-hmm. with different skill sets in there. And as I said, as long as they make the appointment uh, on a on a sensible basis, then you'll support whatever they do. If it falls, you know, if it falls flat in its face, hey ho, that's football. These things happen. But they make a sensible appointment. And I think what we whittled on about last season was that you know the May twenty nineteen appointment wasn't too clever. And that's why we're talking about it. that's why the season's been so bad. We made yeah. one very bad decision and all these things have came from that bad decision. So don't do it again. <laughs> Learn yeah. from the mistakes. Learn from the bad mistakes. Yep. Well, that's a, that's a that's a good way to move on to the to the last talking point of the show that I was thinking about bringing up. I was talking to you, Tony, just before we came on air um, about um, some recent clamourings that I've seen uh, from certain Celtic fans to bring uh, a certain Jordan Larson. Uh, I nearly said back to Celtic. I don't mean that in any sense because he's never played for us in his life. Um, but there are, does seem sort of, some sort of clamouring online uh, based off what I can only assume is a, a few nice looking goals on YouTube that he scored for Spartak Moscow um, bring him home was the phrase that was getting used and, and that kind of thing now there's, there's a few reasons I believe that that's not uh, really something that we want to do but I'll, I'll leave it up to you first of all to give your thoughts before I, before I venture my own what, what are your thoughts on Jordan Larson and the whole clamour to, to, to bring him to Celtic Park sentimentality is not for me on this one Laura Mm-hmm. Well, his father was the ultimate goal scoring legend 252 and 315 games it, it, you know players suffer from that Paul Dalglish suffered from forever being compared to Tim Kenny yep. so Larson Jordan Larson whatever people think bring him home and all that it, it's not for me you know he has to first and foremost prove that he's good enough to play in a 70 jersey a couple of goals on YouTube doesn't make him a star at I'm, I'm sure I could dig out some of my goals from playing for East Cobride Rovers or something you know uh, or, or program, brilliant <laughs> or Real Imaginary you know what I mean something like that <laughs> so I just I can't see this one I can't see where I can see where people are coming from but I would not want it to happen because I think it'd be unfair in the boy as well for a start but I don't think that Celtic have ever shown any interest and Jordan Larson is a viable striking option for the club. Yep. You know, I, I just think that sentimentality and emotional decisions like that, they, they, they can be bad decisions, as Jim just spoke about, a bad decision that was made on emotion and sentiment, managerial-wise. Managerial so, and Celtic have suffered because of that decision. So, no, it's a no from me. In a Dragon's Den style to Jordan Larson coming to Celtic. I'm out. I'm, I'm out. out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Um, Jim, what are your thoughts on it? I have to say, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with Tony. I, I, I saw it and it, it kind of echoed the sentiments that I thought we talked about a couple of weeks ago regarding the whole Maloney thing from, from, from Belgium. We don't really know what he's done, what effect he would have, and, and everything there's been uh, sort of dictated to by um, by sentiment and that's leaving alone the fact that, that 
the guy will never live up to his dad's reputation in terms of Celtic supporters. He could come in and score 40 goals next season and he'd still have another six years to go before he would even come close to his father's legacy. So, um, first of all, specifically for him, do you is he a player you would like to see play for Celtic one day? And also just to echo Tony's thoughts, what, what do you think it says about our wider approach to, to how we bring people into the club? I said earlier that I don't listen to phone-ins or read papers because I despair of this kind of stuff. It's just yeah. stupid, I think. So I think one word that's just stupid. right? Because basically what you want is you want to buy a good player that you can afford. And if that's somebody called Jordan Larson, then fair enough. But to pick somebody because of his name, I just don't get that. And was it not the fact he went for about £10 million or something ridiculous like that? You know, yeah. even that rules them out. And I, I totally despair of this kind of stuff. And it's again, it's, it's, it's old school, lazy thinking. You know, I understand why people do it. Look at Larson, Sonny's really good. That's great. If he was coming through the youth team, fair enough, give him mm-hmm. his chance. But you're not going to spend silly money on somebody because of his name. As I said, yeah. I just despair of that kind of stuff. And it's the same old style thinking that it makes you go for old style managers you know so yeah that's a no for me i'm out as well i'm with tony i'm out apart from king jim because he's up there with king kenny you know what i mean there's only two people have that moniker we're on the top shelf today tony i'm on the top shelf what we've concluded today from our conversations is that we're going to have jordan larson not able to hit a Cow's backside with a banjo with Roy Keane on the on the sidelines telling him to get his finger out his arse. That's basically where we're going to be at next season. I, I, um, I, I didn't say that about Jordan Larson. Didn't say that. <laughs> I just said that that kind of talk is a bit despairing, is what I said. Yes. You could quite yeah. well hit a cue's arse with a banjo, depending how big the cue is, how big the banjo is. So, you know. <laughs> Or a trumpet. Don't misquote me, Laura. Don't misquote me. Don't speak for me. Oh, something. I'm just getting banjos. Hold on, Dyke's and also. You don't speak for me. (laughs) Yes, remember we've had to run all this by Paul before we put any of it out, or so so Twitter seems to think anyway. Um, But uh, we will we will leave it there for today. That is an hour that has absolutely flown in. So thank you to gents for for another uh, great afternoon talking all things. Celtic. Thank you to everybody in the comments uh, for watching on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Um, uh, 500 shows. God knows if we'll do another 500 at this rate after this this <laughs> carry on today. But anyway, we will uh, we'll leave you there and say thank you very much for watching and we will see you on Sunday for the big game.
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.